A lifeguard shortage is affecting public pools across the country. The problem of child sex abuse in the Boy Scouts of America. This extremely tight-knit community shattered by gun violence. I don't want another young gymnast, Olympic athlete, or any individual to experience the horror that I and hundreds of others have endured. Closing pools nationwide is causing some unexpected people to step up. Welcome, everybody, to Episode 10 of Staffing Safety Society. I'm Kevin Trapani. And I'm Paige Bagwell. Y'all, today we're going to have a conversation about a topic that you can act on right away. Immediately. Yes. Immediately. Right now. <laughs> we're going to talk about seasonal staffing and training. We're approaching the holidays where a lot of folks have trackout camps and uh, they've got kids in the building that they wouldn't normally have because the schools are out. And so that's going to be our topic. For today. But before that, we are going to talk about today's headline. USA. 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 Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if y'all are the same as our family, but we have been fixated by the World Cup and we were thrilled about the USA uh, working its way through the group stage. Uh, I was actually, Paige, as you know, I was in London in a pub watching I the know. USA win 0 0 over, uh, over England. It was amazing. Yes. Um, and then a lot of us were disappointed on Saturday when U.S. lost to the Netherlands three to one. Um, mm-hmm. And so the headline is U.S. men's national team loses to the Netherlands, even after yeah. such great accomplishment. I know. Mm. And I know. So, but we're so proud of them. We're we so are. proud of them. Right. We are. It's and been a long time since we've been able to really celebrate where exactly. they are. And we feel great because they're young. And so four mm-hmm. years from now at the next World Cup, they're going to be four years older, four years more experienced, lots of them playing on really Premier League kind of teams, um, and they'll be playing at home, right? The 2026 right. World Cup is in North America. So I think that's a great thing. But the reason I bring it up today is if you watch the game, um, the lesson I learned that I think applies to everything we do and everything our listeners do is that you have to show up authentically. Right. The men's team got through the knockout stage because they played tenacious defense. Mm-hmm. Right. They were awesome on defense. And the only way they scored or generated offense really was from counters. Right. So the other team's offense comes down, gets uh, kind of discombobulated as they're selling out to try to score. We stop and we go the other way. And we have the opportunity in an unsettled situation uh, to either get a goal or a set play, a corner kick or something. And that's where all right. of our offense came from. But when you showed up against the Netherlands, I thought, what happened? Did we change shirts? Like, between, did we, <laughs> is this a different team? Because we came out and we were really aggressive in the front third, the offensive third of the field. And we generated a lot of chances, but here's the, the hell of a note about the U.S. men's national team. We can't score. Yeah. <laughs> we just that, can't. We don't have a striker who can put the ball in the back. That's of the pretty net. important, I think. <laughs> it, eventually, we got to be able to score. And we have you know, Christian Pulisic, you know, scored a spectacular goal. And, uh, you know, there are all kinds of things to be proud of, but our strength is not generating offense and scoring. And so as a result of being at the offensive end so much, I know this is maybe overly technical, but being at the offensive end, the other team, Netherlands, countered, and they and we lagged. We didn't get back, and we gave them basically open opportunities three times, right. and they buried the ball three times because they've got people who can score. Just not bring this up, Paige, is that we just have been through a period of time where a lot of our listeners pivoted during the pandemic. Right. right? Their, their buildings were closed. They couldn't serve in the same way, and so they stood up learning centers. They start feeding centers. They collaborated with other mm-hmm. entities in their uh, in their communities. They showed up in ways that were authentic because most of the time, what they were focused on was serving kids. 
which is what they, they didn't all of a sudden decide, hey, you know what, I, I, I can't run a fitness program or a camp today. So I'm going to start retailing, you know, t-shirts that you don't, you pivot into things that are authentic. To right. And, and that's, that's the lesson I learned from the. Oh, that's a great one. This is a great one because our, the folks that we work with every day, they didn't get sidetracked by, oh, well, if we dip our toe over here, they stayed focused on families and kids. They just serve them in different ways. And I think that's just um, an incredible part of the story of the pandemic, right? Yeah, right. You find that strength and you just deploy it in a different way. Well, today, uh, while we have COVID and flu and RSV cases swirling all around (laughs) us, we've got the triple-demic now instead of the pandemic. It's always better, it seems. We're approaching the holidays, which are a wonderful time. And they're a time where kids are not in school. They are in our buildings. And so I know we want to talk today about seasonal staffing uh, around holiday camp um, and and uh, and all of the different pro- track out camp, all the different programs that, that come on. So I know you want to talk a little bit about the hiring process, but I know we're a little behind that, that right. in some ways. Yeah. And I'll, you know, I'll say I've got, I think I've got a way for, just hang with us who listeners, because I think I've got a way to talk about seasonal that'll frame it a little differently than that's outside of December. Like I'm even catching Kevin off guard. He's like, where is she going with this? So hang tight. I'm going to get to that. Um, but first, let's, script. I know I'm off script. <laughs> it's a scary place to be. Yeah, exactly. But first, before we talk about that, let's talk about where the economy is as far as where, what jobs are doing. And so actually um, payrolls rose last month. Uh, almost 263,000, meaning we were expecting 200,000 as far as payrolls, but they actually got bigger, which is, um, that's from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. These, um, that's a surprising number for us. I didn't think, I don't think any of us thought that those numbers would go up. Um, and so I would say, let, I want to call that out is that is a blessing and a curse, right? That payrolls are up and that people are finding kind of more full-time positions, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's solving for seasonal issues, right? And so we have to kind of understand what that means and what the feds are doing to make decisions around, um, you know, different situations. And so staffing, it it makes it, it's good and bad, right? So we have to read that. Um, It feels like, I think there was a New York Times article around U.S. employers adding those jobs in November. And it says, it feels to me, this is a quote from that article, like we're not in a decline, just in a consolidation. So kind of a flattening. So like I just said, there's a a blessing and a curse in that. It feels like numbers are going in the right direction, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're just in this like great, like the, the, the sky's the limit type of thing. So there is more of that flattening. Yeah. Um, and so you're going to probably be experiencing, we need to hire. And so you're telling me there's more people out there ready to work and then my payrolls can, you know, kind of feel that relief, but that's not necessarily um, where you are as well as when the numbers show this, it also means employees are a lot pickier, right? Yeah. They're choosing the jobs they want, what they want to be doing, how they want to work from the pandemic, where they want to work, all of those things. And so um, it's it's an interesting dynamic. We're seeing that even at Redwoods and how our hiring practices are. And so we have to kind of really understand where the, what the numbers are saying, but what that really means to those of you that are listening and even to us of how that kind of creates jobs right. or helps us keep jobs. Right, right. And in fact, I think uh, we, we heard a quote from a labor um, uh, expert who said, if you're a good driver, you don't have a slew of accidents on your record and you can pass a drug test. There's no reason for you to be unemployed unless you want to be zero. Mm-hmm. 
So that makes it really hard. Now, interestingly, the numbers you were just talking about, that plus 263 uh, last month, gets us to a place where we're now, there are now more people employed in the United States than were employed in February of 2020 when everything wow. went crazy, right? So mm-hmm. we've reached and now exceeded that peak of employment. And so things appear to be slowing down a little bit. Um, so there were almost 10% fewer holiday openings posted right now than there were last year. Macy's and Walmart both said that they're you know, they're adding people for uh, for the holidays, but many, many fewer. I think a Walmart number is about a quarter of what it was in 2021. And so there's a kind of a shrinking pool. So for the seasonal employee, um, it, it it's not that they have no options. They have fewer options than they did last year, which right. should speak well to, to, to our folks who are trying to hire into that market. But as you said, that doesn't mean that they're not still picky, right? Because- um, there are folks that are offering $3,000 bonuses, $18 an hour, you know, so there's some pretty attractive options out there. There are just fewer of them, marginally fewer yep. of them than there were. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. That's just, that's where, um, this is a good part of this conversation because I, I don't think this is changing in December or January. Like we, we're right. going to be looking at these numbers for quite some time. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And so, so now we have a couple of things and we talk all the time about when it comes to staffing, hiring and training, and then supervision as being kind of three stages. Mm -hmm. Why don't you comment a little bit about the hiring piece, even though quite frankly, if you need a bunch of people for the holidays, you probably should be pretty far through your hiring process. Which is insert where Paige goes off script really fast Uh, is yes, we're talking about seasonal hires, typically holiday hires. But one of the things I say, I've said for a long time, and I think you've heard me say this, Kevin, is when people get hired like their first year is, don't kind of judge the job or freak out about the job until you've kind of been through four seasons because mm. every job kind of has that. There's seasons of the year that show, mm-hmm. you know, hey, we're really busy this time of year. Like our YMCAs and Jewish community centers right now are thinking everybody's going to be in our gyms come January 1st and January mm-hmm. 2nd. So there's a right. season of the holiday stuff. holidays, right? Mm-hmm. So I say we're going to talk about seasonal today, um, which means like how maybe even how you're approaching holiday or how you approached it and what this means but you also have for our camp staff you're getting ready to have summer season right how are you approaching that and so when we say seasonal typically people go to holiday but take pause and take a look at your year because you have seasons depending on you know what organization you work for what company you work for and think about where are my seasons and be proactive so everything we can say today certainly applies to the holiday season but it can also apply to other seasons of your work and kind of business flow. So right. there's my off script moment. You're always hiring. You're always training. You're always supervising. So it's mm-hmm. intensified right now, but it's something we practice throughout. And the other piece that I was thinking about when you went off script, because that took me off script. So, you know, this will end up being yeah. an hour long podcast with this, but, <laughs> but the, uh, uh, which I know everybody's thrilled about, but what I was thinking is that you're going to hire a, a, some, a, a holiday lifeguard or a mm-hmm. holiday counselor of some sort. And it may well be that that 17 year old is going to be 18 years old in the summer. And if they spend three weeks, you know, at the boys and girls club, really connected to purpose, really loved and valued and treasured and well-trained um, and supervised in an appropriate way, they may really want to come back in the summer. And so right. we're not hiring somebody for three weeks. We may be hiring somebody for three or four years. 
Right. Which is my first point around that is like create that strategy. Don't just treat it as I just need bodies. I can pay them a little more and get them on staff for those three weeks. Um, you're, you already have competition for those roles. Don't treat it like that. So you need to kind of create that strategy. Have a game plan that's going to support these workers through the season and not burn them out. Um, it'll be important because obviously you're going to want them to come back to you, just like uh, Kevin said. The, the, create a culture around that seasonal staff. Mm-hmm. Like really create that game plan. Um, you want them to become um, either maybe seasonal as to how they operate with you and they come back every year, or it's like becomes this pipeline for you of really a long-term strategy around hiring in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so then I would say number two, assess your staffing needs. Companies have been hiring or have been in hiring mode for two years. We're, we're included in that battling for a talent, trying to retain talent, um, we've seen unprecedented salaries and perks all the way around. Um, some find they have all the workers they need um, and some don't. So look at which roles need the most support during the season and how to best approach reaching the ideal applicant for that job. Don't just look at it as bodies in the chair. Look at it as what skill sets do I need? I need this role. How can I reimagine what this did? To my first point, reimagining that actually helps in longevity of them coming back or looking at further roles with you. So really assess what the needs are and have that be a part of that plan we were just talking about. Yeah. And you say all the time, so you just said, find the right, who's the right candidate for this job that is build a pipeline for the right kind of talent. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, My third advice around hiring was don't wait. Right. We're a little late in the conversation, at least for this season. Probably most of you have probably hired, but start thinking about that next season of your work cycle, right? And so if it's summer camp or those types of things, you should be thinking about that now. Like, how are you going to be approaching that? What's that proactive strategy as well as figure out a way, work with your HR departments and your hiring departments of making sure that's a fast and easy process for people. That's really, really important. I really love that. And I've got an example of that because I think we've got, you know, the folks who are listening to this podcast, you got to be easy to get to text to apply. Mm-hmm. That cannot be barriers to apply. Paige, you know that um, our daughter Mallory is a senior in college and she's thinking about where to work next year. And she's thinking about all kinds of different opportunities. Well, um, tomorrow she's auditioning for a job. Now, Mallory's mm-hmm. a business major, marketing emphasis. She's a good candidate, has a lot of interest in a whole bunch of different things. She's auditioning tomorrow to be a Disney princess. Now that's fabulous. Isn't it? Who doesn't want to be that? Who wouldn't (laughs) want to be that? Well, me. (laughs) True. True. You don't have the hair for it, I don't think. But Right. But Mallory's perfect for a Disney princess. Um, It is a demanding job and it's a way into the Disney organization uh, in a lot of ways. But what's interesting is the entire process is automated. Right. So, you know, she's submitted resumes, she submitted headshots and photographs and experience, and she's filled out, uh, she's answered um, uh, survey questions and essay questions, and then she's going to do her entire audition remote. Right. So they'll give her situations or whatever. So here's one of the biggest and best organizations in the world by almost any measure, and maybe the single most um, hood ornament role in the organization. And there'll be no person to person touch until way down the road to see if she's qualified for an in-person interview. Right. 
Yeah, I think that's a really great example, especially for my kind of last point that look for and invest in longevity, Mm because I know Disney does this. They're not just looking at Mallory for the princess, right? Right. They're going to ask her questions about her long term goals, where she wants to be, because they they have a very strong culture of how they onboard and train and get people into their kind of culture as like for long periods of time. We were uh, my brother was just down in Disney not too long ago and was working with one of the cast members on a couple of things. And that cast member had been with them like 16 years, right? Like as a college student intern, the whole nine yards now has a family and that's their, you know, full support of their, you know, income of their family. And so that that's what they want. They want people to be interested in the Disney culture and they bring them in maybe at seasonal jobs or part-time or full-time jobs that they want to learn about them. And so do that the same thing for your organization. Look for and invest in that longevity. Figure out what people are passionate about. What do they want to do with their life? Where's their, like, have them audition. What kind of dreams do you have? And put that into play with what your long-term goals are as far as staffing. You bet, because I think our people are hiring Disney princesses, right? Yes, There's a whole organization behind them, but the person who's your camp counselor or, you know, th- that's the person you're going to be paying attention to. And so yep. one of the things we've talked about a lot on this podcast, right? Our work is to create uh, communities that are safe for all. And the work of this podcast is to talk about staffing and the relationship between staffing, safety, and society. And you and I have always looked at staffing as a risk management tool, mm-hmm. right? If we've got the right people in the right roles, they're properly trained and well-supervised, then people are less likely to get hurt which is what our mission is all about. And so uh, that's top down, that involves HR, it involves everybody being present, available and engaged in the process of hiring and and getting people on board. But then we go through a couple of different phases and that's, I know what you want to talk about, which is onboarding and then training people, even though they're only going to be here for a short period of time. Right, right. And I think let's be clear, none of you, no one that works for you wants anyone to get hurt on their watch. Like no one comes to work looking for that. So, but the best thing you can do for those staff members is to make sure they're prepared and they feel successful in their job every day. And so I would say absolutely set clear expectations. So I don't know that we do this enough, but sitting down with somebody and saying, let's read the code of conduct and see what that means to you, what that means to us. Let's look at your job description. Do you understand what that role is, what your expectations are, how we're going to hold you accountable to that? Having those clear expectations go so far and having it from the beginning, even if it's for a seasonal job or for a long-term job, having that conversation lets them feel that you're invested in them. And not just filling the role, but that you also, they also get that clear understanding of what their job is. And so I would say setting those clear expectations is huge. Training, 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 training. We can't say that enough, I think. Um, And it's not about check the box. They've watched this video and they've done this training. It is about how are you allowing them to comprehend the training? And so Mm -hmm. it's not this one-time event. How are you going back to them every so often? I was actually just talking to an HR, a CHRO at a Y last week about how are you testing folks along the way? And that doesn't have to be this formal process, but that can be hey, I'm the HR person, but I'm walking over here to this branch or this club. And so I'm just Mm going to reach out to the folks that we've just hired and say, so tell me about like, what are you seeing right now? Show me Mm -hmm. what you're seeing. How did that apply to some of the things we went over in your onboarding and your training? Just having that conversation reiterates in their mind that, oh, this is something I've got to be thinking about all the time. So we're not asking you to develop this just crazy training where you have to be, you know, on computers every three weeks or those types of things, but engage, keep that front of mind for them because that's really, really important. Right. So that's coaching. Yes. 
right? The greatest athletes at the highest level of any sport, they've still got coaches on the sideline. How many times have we seen a quarterback run off the field and the coach grabs him by the face mask and says, what, <laughs> what did you say? And then they go to the, they go to the bench and they've got somebody putting pictures in front of them and talking and they're working, they're being coached all the time. And so we've got to coach right. our people constantly. Right. Because what we know is society has this intolerance, right? That practices must meet protocols 100% of the time. And the best way for that to meet is for them to get really good, strong training up front. And they feel like that that's being brought front of mind for them all the time so that it stays fresh. And so when something does happen, when an incident does happen in front of them, that information and that training is fresh of mind and they can react in the right way. Right. Exactly. We'll talk a little bit more about coaching and, and performance management as a part of training. Right. We've talked about it. Like training is not this one-time event. Number one, build relationships with your staff. They have to trust you and you have to trust them. Mm -hmm. And that's, that is not industry specific, Kevin. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. is not, that is how we all build relationships with staff members and with supervisors. And so Mm -hmm. when you sit down and have that expectation conversation, or when you check in with them, when you're in that branch or that club to say, how are things going? Just having that quick conversation shows them that you're being intentional, that you're being present, that you're listening and that you're giving feedback. And that's what, that's that positive reinforcement that the heck, Hey, like I'm not just a number or, you know, somebody that's covering this shift. This is just, this is really important to the organization that I do the right things, but also that makes them feel um, like they're important because they've been hired to do the specific job and people are investing in them. And so that's, that's number one is developing those relationships. And that's when all those other things kind of come into play naturally so that when you do have to correct behavior, mm-hmm. they take it a little easier because they've got this relationship and this trust with you. Um, when you need to discuss, hey, this needs to be improved upon or those types of things, they feel like, yeah, like we're having that dialogue on a regular basis. And some of this doesn't feel like it's coming out of left field, that this is something we do on a regular basis and this is normal and this helps me get better. Right. Right. Well, we also, uh, by getting to know somebody really well, we understand who they are and all those kinds of things. We also have to come to the understanding that not everybody needs to be supervised in exactly the same way, right? This is a sort of an emotional intelligence comment. Um, But just because you've got two people in the same job doesn't mean that they bring the same skills and talents and experience. And so somebody who you've hired on a temporary basis, um, who's inexperienced in the role, has to have less autonomy, needs more supervision than someone who's been an incumbent in the role for a period of time. So let's just be clear to identify. And that's easier when you're in relationship with somebody. Oh, yeah. I mean, it brings you back to what we were talking about in the beginning is that's that longevity conversation. You're hiring people in the hopefully with the intent that they're with you for a long time and not everybody has the same plan. So you have to treat them like they each bring something different. They have different skill sets and they have a different plan for how long they're going to be with you and what they can do for you. You bet. So meet them where they are. So we've just worked through the hiring process, being intentional about that at any time of the year, and especially at mm-hmm. holiday times. Right. We've talked about onboarding, being intentional about that, setting clear expectations, talk about the training part, making sure everybody understands what they're expected to do at a comprehension level, not just a compliance level. And we've talked about ongoing supervision and coaching that's really essential. So now we have worked our way, I believe, to the big finish. The big finish. Dun, 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 dun. I feel like I should do that every time. Sometimes yeah, that's right. It's better than whatever we're going to do post-production. Whatever, they, whatever the producers do, yeah. <laughs> so my big finish is as we're talking through this today, I realized that um, the uh, a significant um, portion of the injuries that happen in the organizations that we insure are during times of transition. Mm. They're in the moment where we're just going to let um, 
you know, a bunch of six and seven year old boys and girls out onto the field at a, for a break. And we're going to squeeze them all through a door and and they're going to go out and go crazy. And somebody falls down, somebody trips, we're in transition. They're in the moments where it's pickup line in the afternoon. And so I've got to send some people out to, you know, greet moms and I've got fewer people inside. And when programs are in transition, programs are never in more transition than they are during the holidays. Right. This is a time where we got new people, temporary people, sometimes new kids, new procedures, new situations. And this is when injuries happen. And so we think about the holidays as being this warm and wonderful family time, which it is. And we're grateful for that. But it's also a time of great threat of injury. And so we want to be focused on that at this moment of the year. Oh, yeah, that's a good big finish. I like that. Um, mine would be. We know we briefly talked about having that plan for hiring, but so I'm going to speak to my HR folks out there. Have that plan that includes everybody in your organization. For example, I'm going to hire Kevin as a lifeguard like this holiday season because pools are more crowded. They're going to back to exercise, that type of thing. Because I want to put um, I need, people on the pool deck. I want old, mature yeah. people on the pool deck. <laughs> I didn't say it was you, Kevin. I just said a Kevin. Oh, good point. It's just an example. <laughs> but my point is, it doesn't just have to be, okay, here's lifeguard supervisor, you know, head lifeguard, here's your new staff member, and I kind of wash my hands of that. What you want to have happen, and this is a, a small example with one person, but you want it to be a broad organization kind of plan, is so how does your CEO or COO or CFO know that when he steps foot to have a meeting over there in this branch or this club or, or at the camp, whatever, that he should be checking in on that employee mm-hmm. or she should be checking in on that employee. And how does the lifeguard that's been there six months know that they say, Hey, I know you're new. So let's talk about like, what'd you learn? I'm happy to have like, let's share ideas about how, like, when we do shift changes, how can we be better at it? How do you engage every part of that person's day and every person in that person's day to help them feel supported, secure, yes. Competent in their role because it also that that's what develops those relationships and also yeah. allows people to feel valued in that moment. And I think that's yeah. just really important. Don't eliminate every spectrum of your workforce to really help out in that area. Yeah, it's really we're we're all in. And you and I were talking earlier today about the about the guy Tom Peters, the management guru from years and years ago, and he invented mm-hmm. a term that I know you're familiar with, which is MBWA, but management by walking around. Right? Yep. That's what you're just recommending there. Well, Paige, you covered a lot of ground today. I hope it's useful for our listeners, for our, I'm sure now dozens and dozens of listeners. Dozens, surely. Whatever, wherever that you are, however you're listening, we hope whatever season you're in, that it's helpful. You bet. And we're grateful to you. Staffing Safety Society is created by the Redwoods Group. It's produced by Stephen Dosher, Melanie Young, Paige Bagwell, and me. If you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot to us. If you have topic suggestions or feedback, we'd love to hear them. Send an email to community at redwoodsgroup.com and we'll reply. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and for the moment, Twitter, at Redwoods Group. Staffing Safety Society is recorded weekly in North Carolina. I'm Kevin Trapani. And I'm Paige Bagwell. Thanks for listening, y'all. Take care.